What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the guest show on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. And today we're joined by my friend, Chris Smith. That's Chris with two S's. And Chris is a man who had great influence on me back in 2011 when I first got my CrossFit Level 1 certification. 2011. I went into this seminar thinking I was all that and Chris broke it down and that wasn't. And we talked about that on this episode. But what I really want you to be thinking about looking into this episode is, are you the most self-aware, mentally flexible, mentally tough version of yourself? Probably not. On this episode, Chris and I discuss what it takes to become that. We start off talking about how Chris has taken his experience in the Navy SEALs to go from uniformity and leadership in a you conform to us style to diversity and we conform to each other style as the owner of a gym. And then we transition into discussing the kind of mental flexibility, mental toughness that it takes to be able to do that and how you can gain it. Chris has a program that he calls Trident Mindset in which they teach people, him, other special operators, surgeons, leaders, high performers, came together and created a program that will teach you the skills necessary to develop the mental toughness that allows you to make the right decision because it's the right decision because you've created the space between the emotion and the reason in the moment. And I think mental toughness is one of those things that a lot of people believe that they have because they're willing to suffer. And that's not what mental toughness is. On this episode... Chris unpacks it in a way that I haven't heard anybody else unpack it before. And that's why I love talking to this guy. I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's get you to Chris. All right. Chris Smith, welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Excited to be here, my man, Sean. Dude, I got to tell you, 2011, Fort Meade, Maryland. I'm like, I go into this CrossFit Level 1 seminar at the time. I'm a doctor already, doctor of chiropractic. I've been seeing patients for two years. I've been a personal trainer since 2005. I have, I'm like at the beginning of a Dunning-Kruger syndrome. Like I know everything. Just ask me. I'm the smartest person in the world at this point in time. I'm like, man, I'm going to breeze through this seminar. They're going to be like, wow, this guy's so smart. We should ask him if he can come work with us. And then you start talking. Andrea starts squatting. And I'm like, I don't move like that or talk like that. Shit. Okay. I got a lot to learn here. Right. And, and so for me to be able to have done seminars at your gym and to call you a friend now, have you on the podcast is very, very, very cool. Cause I remember the impact that both you and Andrea had on me. Andrea, for those of you listening is Chris's wife had on me back, you know, in 2011 when I was a young budding business person. Yeah, man. Thanks for the compliment, man. We strive hard just to make good, meaningful, deep relationships. 
use exercise for that. So it's an honor for me to call you my friend as well. And you are way smarter than me. So don't take nothing away there, brother. Uh, that's, circum- that's circumstantial. <laughs> it depends on where they drop us in the world, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, if they drop us at a, at a boardroom table in regards to like how we're going to get personal training going in this business, maybe, maybe I'm the guy. Yeah. If, if they drop us in a, uh, a war zone for sure, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. All right, man. We're all going to learn from each other. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so Chris, you own Trident CrossFit or used mm-hmm. to be Trident CrossFit. You call it what now? What's the name now? Uh, Trident Athletics now. Trident Athletics in Alexandria, Virginia, yeah. right? Yes, sir. You've been open for how long? We just crossed over a decade last May. So one decade, one month. So it's pretty crazy for this original experience and full circle because we just changed our name to Trident Athletics, which is our actual business name that Andrea and I thought about 10 years ago. So we were Trident Athletics doing business as Trident CrossFit. Now we're just Trident Athletics. Yeah, no more DBA. Easy day. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And and I don't think people all, many of them should, many of them probably don't though, know much about your background and how Mm -hmm. you went, like, I mean, can you give us some background? You don't have to go through all the nitty gritty details, but I would love for people to have a better idea of who you are, where, where this all comes from. Yeah. Hey man, I am just a normal kid. I come from a normal family, two sisters, mother, father from Kansas. I didn't know that. Love, where, I know, right? Where in Kansas? Leavenworth, Kansas. Okay. Is that where Leavenworth so yeah, Penitentiary like- is? That is where the Lemon Spinach injury is. Yeah. Okay. Um, my mom's from that town. She still lives in that town. Um, military life growing up, yada, yada. High school, college in Kansas. Ended up working for Westinghouse, in, uh, Westinghouse Electric as an electrical engineer. To travel around, see a lot of people, meet a lot of friends, see a lot of cultures. Um, Westinghouse basically joined the Navy, and then the Navy kind of thing starts up, started off. And now we're changing lives using fitness and hopefully oh, some positive attitudes. that is the that is the most in a nutshell where chris smith comes from that i think i've ever heard or imagined i would hear yeah so so the way that you guys run your gym i think is 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 pretty unique from what i've seen from the outside looking in and we've been there now twice as in in Mm -hmm. partnership with you guys doing some seminar stuff and what i noticed when i was there was the overwhelming amount of what i would call congruency between you, your staff and your members in that it felt like you guys were trying to achieve the same thing with the same vigor all the time. Yeah. We have a, uh, an overarching rule and philosophy. I think any business that's going to be successful needs to a have good leadership and that leadership has to be able to disseminate that down to the staff and the staff down to the clients or the members. We have a couple rules in our gym. It's like, Hey man, seven touches. Every single person that comes to the gym deserves seven touches. A touch doesn't necessarily mean a physical touch, but seven interactions. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, what was that work today? Hey, how are your kids? Oh, yeah, fix this one. Fix that movement. You know, just some kind of engagement. And I put that on our staff so that every single person that works for us, whether they're coaches, administrators, the cleaners, the fixer-uppers, understands that philosophy. And I think that gives people a good experience from when they walk in the door to when they walk out the door. My only goal or our only goal is to make you stay longer than your class. Because if you work out and you stay 15 or 20 minutes later and you tell me, dude, I'm enjoying this conversation, I have got to go home. 
Mm-hmm. Like the best word I could ever hear, you know, so really trying to create a community with fitness as a common thread instead of just exercise. You well, know, so I think people are going to take towards that. Well, something I think that you can probably speak well on that other people would gain a lot of value from just based on your leadership experience and what I've seen in the gym is I think community is a word that gets thrown around. And, and a, lot, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we have great community, great community, great community. But then the community drives the culture instead of the culture driving the community. Can you describe kind of what the difference is there? If, if you've ever had any thoughts on that, what's the difference between culture and community and how does one drive the other? Well, it's pretty interesting. So I pride myself in not having any like rules on the walls of the gym. Hey, if you're in this space, don't put chalk on the floor. Hey, don't blow your nose in the towel. Don't fit in the water film. We have none of that inside the gym. Inside the gym. What I like most is when I go in and we have say a drop-in member from a different gym or from a different space, and you're in the chalk bucket and the chalk is getting all over the gym. I love it when the members come and say, "Hey, man, maybe in your gym you guys get to do that, but in our gym we don't put chalk on the floor." We don't throw things around. We put our trash in the trash can. And that's our culture that we developed or they helped develop or they are that culture, spreading that around the world, you know, spreading that to the members that are coming through the gym. So, I mean, that's what community is. It's not about, hey, we're forced people to, do, to act or be this way. It's they feel part of, an, of, a, of a family, as a fabric. We listen to their ideas. We act on things. You know, we listen to our people and, and they're driving the culture. They're driving the community. We're just, basically trying to facilitate the needs that the people are asking for. Well, how do you do that without taking every want and need that every member and staff member has and saying, yeah, sure. We'll sell hot dogs. That sounds like a great idea. You know, you want to sell hot dogs here? Let's sell hot dogs here. How do you, how do you make decisions that allow people to feel like it's inclusive and at the same time, um, smart ones? Yeah. Well, you put the onus back on the person that's asking for it. We call that the squeaky wheel, right? I don't believe that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I believe the squeaky wheel gets cut off. There's just no room for that. <laughs> so when someone comes up with a wazoo idea, like, let's go hot dogs, I put it back and I was like, okay, that's not a bad idea. But if you had 500 members in your gym, how would you facilitate selling hot dogs to everybody where no one else felt left out? And I have them work through the problem set. And after a while, they're like, okay, that's not going to work out because I was only thinking of self. Right? We have an overarching thing that says team gear, my gear, me, which is like think about the gym first, think about your own personal needs last. And I think that's a fabric that kind of goes throughout the gym. So I reverse that on them and say, dude, you know what? If that's a great idea, sell it to me. Make me want to do it. If you can make me want to do it and get some other people to make me want to do it, I will seriously consider it. But once you start going in that road, they start thinking, yeah, that's just what I wanted. <laughs> and that's not going to really work out for everybody else. So yeah, we try to... And, and, and how do people learn to be a part of that culture? How do people learn to be part of that culture? That's a great question. You know, so, so, so let me, let me, let me elaborate on that a little bit. Somebody joins your gym and they come in and they don't know any better and they just start doing whatever they think they would do. Cause you, you're not going to have in their immediate interview, they signed up. Okay. So here's the rules. We don't put chalk on the floor. We put the garbage in the garbage. Like you can't, yeah. You can't teach them how to be a human in an interview. Yeah, you can't. But I think people are, human beings are mimickers. Like we're going to always mimic what we see. We, we cover what we see. So if everybody's wiping down the equipment afterwards and the coach says, hey, make sure you wipe down the herbs, make sure you wipe down the barbells or to get the, uh, 
to give the cues and everybody's doing the same thing. So if you're a new person coming into that environment, you don't want to be the standout. No one wants to be left out of a good thing. So you just follow suit. You know, when you don't follow suit, I give my coaches, like I tell my coaches all the time, my staff, like, dude, when you have all my coaches are red shirts, when you're the red shirt, this entire gym is your responsibility. Doesn't matter if I'm there, doesn't matter if Andrew's there, like what's right is right, that's your responsibility. What's wrong is wrong, that's still your responsibility. So they take onus in the culture of Trident to kind of push that forward. And people just gravitate towards greatness. You know, I'm not saying I don't say it badly, but yeah, people just gravitate towards good things. When everybody's doing the right thing, you want to be part of that fabric. You want to feel good about that. You don't want to be the standout. Well, so how did you yeah. keep all of that going through COVID? You know, one, one of the things I want to, I want to ultimately talk to you about today is going to be how, how gym owners and individuals really can cultivate mental toughness and get through times yeah. of adversity. And we'll get to that towards the end. I have some very specific questions about it, but how did mm-hmm. you guys, continue to foster culture through COVID so that you would have loyalty. And in terms of like, if members are, I believe loyalty is created both ways, right? I give you value. You give right. me value. That's loyalty. It's not, right. I forget about you and you keep taking care of me, but how, yeah. how did you foster culture when you were distant to each other? Well, first we try to make decisions with the information that we had or the good or bad information that we had, try to make decisions quickly. So people didn't feel left out. I thought one of the best things that we did, and I give credit 100% credit to to Andrea, but you know what? People are stressed because they don't know. They're caught in this space between the known and the unknown. And the unknown right now is fear. So we try to eliminate some of that fear, try to eliminate some of that pressure. The number one thing that I think people were worried about, like, well, we don't know when this is going to end. We want to support your gym. But we don't know when it's going to open. My family's not working and I don't have any money. So what we did, we put in a, a thing that said, hey, it's called Ride or Die. You can choose to, A, continue to pay your membership. We have online virtual classes. When we could have outdoor classes, we did that as well. We had uh, um, virtual weekly throwdowns where people can kind of come and get on the Zoom calls and kind of continue to develop coaching through that way. But we gave them an option to can be 100% ride or die, continue to pay your 100% membership, and we'll try to provide as much as we can during this COVID. You can choose 75% of your membership, 50% of your membership, 25% of your membership, or go on hold. Any of those things are okay. We're here to support you during this time, not you support us during this time. If you have the means, we will definitely try to we'll take that and, and try to keep our gym open and everything, but this is your gym. If we don't have support, we can't stay open. So I think that eliminated a lot of pressure on people of what the owners or what the gym would think if they went on hold or canceled or just need a reduction. And you would be surprised at how many people who went on hold, once as soon as you put that policy out, that came back with, dude, I can give 25% or I can give 50%. And we make t-shirts for the guys that can, can, can give a little bit more and give t-shirts out. It's a, it's a good thing. People have felt really part of that community, part of that culture still without feeling badly about, I can only do 25% right now. So, was there concern for you that you were going to lose a lot of revenue when you started doing that? Because, you know, I mean, you, you still have bills, right? You still have bills, but to me, it's not about that. We've been, we were having to be in business long enough that we, that the finance part wasn't our biggest issue. And this is hundred percent from the heart, dude. Our biggest issue is keeping community, keeping culture alive. 
letting people know that I'm here for you. If you need something, reach out. We're a community of 500 people. If you need something, reach out, man. We can help you. There's no shame in that. There's no harm in that. Like, this is your space. If you can't come here and feel safe, I'm sorry, if you can't think about trying to have a safe space, a place where you have friends, a place where you have family, and I'm doing something wrong, then it's just about exercise. And it's never been just about exercise. It's never been just about money. It's about creating a space where you can create deep and meaningful relationships using exercise as the thin blue line, the common line. Mm, there's, there's two things you said there that I really like. One of them is it's never been just about money, which right. leaves room for we do need to make money. We are a business. You got to be open, right? right. You got to be open. There's no space. Yes. And, and the second thing is um, if this doesn't feel like a safe space for you, there's a problem. Right. What is a safe space? You know, what, 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 I, what I see now in, and I, I risk going political here and getting myself in trouble is, <laughs> is you know, like there's a, there's a level for me at least that I'm comfortable or not comfortable, willing to expend energy to make somebody else feel comfortable. That makes me feel yeah. a little bit uncomfortable, but I think it, it's, it makes everybody more comfortable than if I was just treating it as if they weren't different than me. Right. I, right. I'm willing to stretch a little bit or a lot of it actually to make somebody else comfortable around me. That wasn't always the case. There is mm-hmm. an end point where I'm like, look, I, I can't, I can't do everything. I can't, right. I can't know what offends you until you tell me that that offends you and then never do it again. Right. So what is a safe space and how do you make sure that you're in it? Yeah. Uh, barring goes. So two safe spaces really we're using safe as in like, A, I can come to this facility and be myself and be accepted for being myself. That's what I consider a safe space. People are going to treat me nicely. People are going to ask me questions. That's my seven touches, right? Like every time you come to the gym, someone's going to talk to you. You know, it might not be another member or whatever, but my staff is going to talk to you to make you feel welcome. I don't care what kind of clothes you're wearing. I don't care, like, I want to, I care about your day and how that went. But we ask those questions where you're not just coming to work out, you're coming to hang out. You're coming to, to express yourself. And we've been on for 10 years. I bet you, I'm not trying to be weird here, but maybe three, four cases of someone that didn't feel comfortable in that space because we try to make it open, inviting, and do scaling, modifying, all that, that stuff is super okay. Where just maybe some other cross space, you don't want to scale down. You don't want to look out of place. You don't want to be the beginner. Well, you can be the beginner here and it's okay. I understand that you, I understand you never power clean before. That's okay. Let's just try this and this. Good job, man. High five. Let's move on. Ring the bell. It's awesome. You know, so we try to cope with that attitude of whatever you're doing for the day is going to be great because this is about you, not about our programming. This is about you, the individual, not about everything else that, you know, comes of working out sometimes. Well, you come from a life of high level military operator and then you go right. into the world of fitness, right? And, and I, I've never been high level or low level or any level military operator, but I imagine, <laughs> I imagine that the level of it being the same quote safe space is, is not there. Right. right. In, a, in a sense that like, the whole point of the military is that you are a part of this. This does not become a part of you. So how did you go from, okay, this works. Like, I mean, as far as I know from the outside looking in the U S military knows what's up, they know what they're doing. 
Now, maybe, yeah. maybe from the inside looking in, you're like, eh, we could know a little bit better, but that's not the topic for today. How do you go from seeing how well that kind of regimentation and uniformity works and then say the opposite works really well too. We just got to make sure that we do it on purpose. Yeah. I think the, uh, the, the best, uh, two shortest words I can use is expectation management, managing expectations, setting the expectation, setting the standard. If you set a high, then people, I don't know if you know this, brother, maybe you do know this. People will go out of their way. They will kill themselves to reach your standard. If you set a low standard, they will kill themselves to reach your low standard. If you set a high standard, they will kill themselves to reach your high standard. We've always had high standards and high expectations, but understand it inside that is a realm of like, this is your best. And I like that for you today. I'm going to celebrate that every single time. Right. So coming from the elite military, that's all we expected. We expected everybody to give their 100%. Wherever that is, is good enough for that day. Right. And we take that same idea and bring it to the gym. Man, I just expect you to do the right thing. I expect you to perform as well as you can today. And people will rise to that expectation. Once you understand that, then you become part of a team. Oh, I expect this person to perform, not necessarily physically perform well, but to be on good behavior for the day. Because the person to my right is going to be on their best behavior, and the person to my left is going to be on their, their best behavior. And that's going to be the common thread that, well, everybody's on their best behavior. Yes, we can have bad days and good days as people, but you know what? People expect good things from you, so good things will come. And that's been like an, an overarching ideal that we've had in our gym since right. day minus 100. <laughs> I, I remember yeah. when I first started learning about the mindset of having that kind of discipline. Yeah. When I first started learning about it, the first thing I thought to myself was, it sounds like a lot of work. Like to, to just always be mentally on like that. You yeah. Know? And, and s- since adopting it, it, it is a lot of work. You know, there, it there, is a lot of work. There, 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 there's, there is no hiding it. Like it's a lot of work. And one of the things that one of my mentors taught me was if you want to have an easy life, you can prepare to have an unfulfilling life. 100%. If, if, if you want to have a fulfilling life, you need to expect that you're always going to work harder than the person who you are communicating with at any given time to make them comfortable in the yes. conversation with you. Yeah. And um, that was an interesting lesson for me. And it sounds like it's, it's kind of what you guys push on. It is. It is, but it's the surrounding, right? Like if you hang out with a bunch of dirt bags, you're going to be a dirt bag. Mm-hmm. You just can't escape it. We're humans, man. We gravitate towards things that are around us. So if you have that high expectation, you support yourself very, very well. People are going to, the gravity of people are going to surround you. You know, so you have the high expectation, you have those high standards and people will rise to those standards. They'll rise to the expectation and you just have to maintain it. It is a lot of work, mm-hmm. but only great come, things come from a lot of work. Well, and, and that's you why know? I, that's why I enjoy having people like you and Andrea in my life, right? It's, it's not people, it, it's not necessarily always going to be the people who are around you day to day, who are the people who are around you. It's the fact right. that I know if I post something on my social media that is improper, you know, that is not thoughtful and you see right. it. I don't want to disappoint you and have you be like, Hey man, I thought you were somebody else. Now right. that, that is the kind of thing that lives in the back of my mind all the time because of the people I've chosen to surround myself with. And so it right. forces you to think about what you're going to do. Now, 
that took for me a substantial amount of coaching, mentorship, and failure, frankly, to learn. Right. And now I'm learning the same thing from the leadership perspective. Okay, so you can manage yourself. How do you help other people manage themselves? Absolutely. For you, having lived a long life of leadership, what is the difference between leadership and mental toughness? Right. Uh, you know, that, that, mental, that, go ahead. Yeah. Mental toughness is self-discipline. Hey, there are skills, there's tools that you can use to become mentally tough. There are separate skills that you can use to be a good leader. There are plenty of leaders out there that are not mentally tough. They just have a gravitas or something or positional leadership that allows them to be in a powerful position to have people follow them. Right. Mentally tough people will always take the hardest road and people recognize that and they will follow that. That's what makes a good leader. A good leader can be mentally tough from the back of the pack. How strong is my leadership? If I can push everybody forward to make them better, I'm an awesome leader. When they need me to step up, I will step up and lead from the front, mm-hmm. but I can also do it from the back. Right. Poor leaders always have to be out in front, always have to be getting the attaboy, the nice jobs or whatever. And they have people following them for whatever reason they're following them because maybe they have to, maybe they were told to, but a good leader does not need to be out front all the time. Yes, they need to be out front sometimes. They're a leader, but they can also be in the back. And that's where the mental cup comes in. You know what? I don't need the fanfare. I don't need that. I get more joy and passion showing, uh, exhibiting the people, uh, showing the people how to move forward for themselves. That's where my joy comes from. Like, I don't need to be, look where I got these guys. I don't need to say that for myself, right? And that, that's discipline. That's stoicism. Those are skills that you can learn from being mentally tough. So you don't always have to be out in front. So in the fitness community, a lot of mental toughness, and the reason I want to talk to you specifically about mental toughness is because I know you yeah. teach it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you in Trident Mindset, which I want to get to in a second, yeah. you teach yeah. people mental toughness. Yeah. And what I... One of my favorite things to do when I'm working, I no longer really do this with competitive athletes, but when I was working with competitive athletes and had a room full of them, and we would do a seminar with 40 people who were ambitious to go to the CrossFit games. That was their thing, right? And they were regionals level athletes and close to it. And some were games athletes. And we would do an exercise where I said, close your eyes. You know, you're, you're going through a difficult workout and it's coming down to those reps where you have to decide if you're going to hold on to that bar or let it go. And you know, if you let it go, someone's going to pass you. And if you hold on, you're going to win. What goes through your mind? Do you hold on to the bar? Open your eyes. Tell me about it. Right. Right. And they're all like, Oh yeah, I just grinded it out. It was easy. You know, like it was hard physically, but mentally, like I had trained for that day and I was ready for it. I'm like, cool. Great. Close your eyes again. You text me in the morning and you're like, Hey, Dr. Sean, just want to let you know before I hit my training today, my back is a little bit sore. It's been kind of low level sore for the whole week. And I just wanted to give you a heads up before I go into my workout today. You know, is there anything I should do to mobilize? And I'm like, you know what? I've actually been meaning to text you. I want you to stay out of the gym for a week. Like no working out at home either. Just take, yeah. just take the week off. It's what you need most right now. Open your eyes. And, and, and it's like, you see them flinch in the chairs. It's, it's different. You see them flinch. And we, we unpack yeah. it much more. It's like a five-minute story to really get them into it. Yeah. And I start to discuss with them that mental toughness is making difficult decisions for the right reason. It's not yeah. gritting things out. Right. You're saying that can be developed. Absolutely. I believe you. 
it's something that I struggle to develop with people. And I would love for you to start giving me some insight as to how we can do that. Yeah. You got to look at it like, um, we'll take the sport of basketball. Basketball is a summation of skills. You have to be able to dribble. You have to be able to pass. You have to be able to shoot. You have to do all the things that it takes to do. Those are just skills that you can learn. The better you are at those skills, the better basketball player you'll be. Mental toughness is exactly the same skill, exactly the same thing. It's just a bunch of skills that we've determined that if you practice these skills and get good at these skills, you will become mentally tougher. By being mentally tougher, you will have a happier, a calmer, a better life. You will just be a better human being, right? I kind of want to go back to what you're talking about with the, uh, the CrossFit athletes. Yeah, they're mentally tough in their realm. While they're doing hard CrossFit workouts, they're mentally tough. You throw them off their game with anything outside of the box, they're mentally not so tough, right? And that's where they have the tendency to struggle. A real mentally tough athlete says, doesn't matter where you put me, I'm still going to perform because I have the skills necessary to be a mentally tough athlete. They don't necessarily have to rely just on their physical skills to be good. They can rely on their physical skills and, most important thing, their mental skills to be a top-notch athlete. You know, if you look at every single winner everywhere, it's like the game starts in the head. It starts in the head and it finishes in the head. If you understand that, you will always be successful. You will always be the best version of yourself. You know, everything else is just kind of in between that. You know, it's just the 20% of everything else. You know, it's, so, it's, it's funny, Chris. I remember, like, I think regularly, and this is probably unhealthy, but I think regularly back to like, <laughs> my, my high school and college self and how, how many opportunities athletically I missed because I was not at all mentally tough. Absolutely. You know, I, I thought being a, a pitcher, baseball pitcher, being mentally tough was somebody pisses you off, you throw at them and then yell at them as they walk up the base path and then get out of the inning and pound your chest. <laughs> that's not mentally tough. That's, that's actually the exact opposite. Exactly. That's the opposite of stoicism, right? Yeah. It's, 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 the, it's the emotional expression of, you know, all of the negativity. Yeah. So how do you teach it? You know, I mean, it's, I don't even know how I developed it and I know I have more to develop. I want to be clear about this. I am, you know, I I try to carry the white belt mentality everywhere I go and all things that I do. And and I, I have coaching who I work with. I have coaches for all different kinds of things who help make me better at things. I don't know how to intentionally develop mental toughness. And most of what I see out there, pardon my French, is bullshit. It's like right. people saying like, I went for a run today and it rained. And you know what? That made it better because it was harder. I'm like, really? Then why don't you just dump a fucking bucket of ice water over your head every day exactly. before you run? Yeah. Like that doesn't yeah. seem like developing mental toughness. How, how do you do it on purpose? Yeah, man. It's training a skill. First, you got to be able to identify what skills are going to make you mentally tough. In Try to Mindset, we put together 12 skills that everybody and anybody can learn over time. First 12 days, we introduce you to those skills, mindfulness, meditation, visualization, stoicism, discipline, intentionality, a ton of different skills that you can use that you can practice and learn, right? If you can practice a skill, you can become a better at basketball. If you practice playing chess, you can become a better chess player. So they're just skills that anybody can learn. We define those for you. In our month-long course, we delve, dive into each one of those things. Right? So how do you practice stoicism? How do you 
change your mind when you're driving down your car, you're driving in your car, and some yeah, somebody cuts you off. You have a choice to be upset, to let it ruin your day, to honk your horn, to flip them off, or to go, wow, they're really in a rush. I'm not going to let that affect my day. Right? I'm going to not let that affect my happy day. Yeah. Right? That's mental toughness. I'm laughing. You're about, making you make a choice. Go ahead. I'm, I'm laughing about that because last week, you know Larry, and Larry came into yeah. the, Larry came into the office. He's like, dude, today I was driving and my girlfriend was in the car, and this guy was screaming at this woman through a window. And I pulled over and I was like, Hey, are you okay? And I was talking to the woman, and the guy's like, Yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to her. And then the guy who was on his bicycle started like slapping my windshield calling me names, telling me to get the fuck out of the car. And he's like, and here I was getting ready to unbuckle my seatbelt. And my girlfriend was like, what are you doing? And then I just drove off. And he's like, and the cool thing is in the past, that probably would have bothered me for a week. Today, right. he's like, it bothered me for like 10 minutes. And I pointed yeah. out to him, I'm like, you're talking to me about it right now, four hours later. I think it still bothers you. It's still but, bothering you exactly. <laughs> but, but good job not getting out of the car. And, yeah. and you're making such a good point, but so first of all, you, you keep saying we, who, who is we, is it, is it you? Yeah. Do you have a team of people who've come up with these 12 points? Yeah. Yeah. Team, there's some Navy SEALs in there, some neuroscientists in there, some engineers, some doctors, some surgeons, uh, a couple of psychologists, uh, some special forces guys. We all kind of get together and say, Hey man, what's the common thread between, uh, we use the word high achievers, the people that we consider mentally tough that we respect. What are the common skills? Not I, not just ideas, but skills that we can teach somebody. Like, how do I teach a 75-year-old lady to be mentally tough? She's got a world of experience. She's seen all kind of stuff. Like, what can I do for this person to give her some skills to be tougher, mentally tougher, right? You kind of whittled that down to 12 different lessons. So everything is accomplishable. For Larry's example... He's still fuming about it because he's not good with self yet. He's not reckoning. He's not ready to go. You know what? I'm going to take three breaths, figure out what my real intent for the day was, which is to come to work and change some lives by helping people out. He'd forgotten that part. That's where toughness comes in. Now, I'm not saying his emotion and his reaction, the visceral part of it, isn't validated. It's completely validated. What's he going to do about it? He's still fuming about it, right? He needs to let that go. And that's the skill that we can teach to let that go, mm-hmm. right? Because even though you may have done the right thing by not unbuckling your seat and going out and smashing through space, you're still thinking about unbuckling your seat belt and smashing through space. You got some room for growth. So are you, right. I heard something there that, that was revelatory for me. Is part of the stoicism, which is part of the mental toughness. Yep. It's not apathy. It's, it's not apathy. They're different. And is part of it remembering what your purpose for that day, that year, that week is, and then asking yourself in any given moment, does this serve my purpose or does this distract my purpose? Yes, exactly. And you can have both of those thoughts, which is great because clarity of purpose is everything. If you understand your why, why you're on this planet, what's your intentions, what you're supposed to do, what your legacy going to be, you understand that you get to choose which things are going to get you down that road and which things aren't. Without any skills, the voice in our head that makes us, I'll say, mentally weaker or less strong are so loud, we have to act on those. I got to buckle my seat on and kill that guy off. 
you know, but with some strength, some, some tools, some skills, some mental toughness techniques, we can go, you know what? That's gone in about 43 seconds. I'll probably never see that guy on the bike again. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to stay in control of my life to understand what I'm supposed to be doing today. There's going to be a powerful impact, right? My intent matches my impact for the people I'm going to see for later on that day. I can't bring that old baggage there. Now I'm stealing and robbing from the person that's paying me or I'm engaged with, you know, my awareness. I'm robbing from them. He brought you down. You talked about it. Someone's still in your head. Right. We'll talk about this, Larry. We're going to have to have a conversation. So, so, okay. That for those, for, for those of you listening to this now, I hope that, 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 that leaves for me, that was like, I could be done right there. I, I have a lot more to ask you, but like just the idea of making every decision that you make is, is this actually in alignment with what I'm trying to achieve today? Yeah. And if it's not, yeah. then it's just unimportant. That's. Well, that's, so it's half the battle, right? Yeah. Is it in line with what I'm trying to achieve today? The other problem is that we see is most people don't have clarity on why they are. They don't know where they're going. Mm -hmm. They don't have a good picture of who they want to be or why they want to be or what it is they're doing. What is their purpose? It's super hard to be on that road if you don't know where the fuck that road goes. True. So <laughs> you're so, all over the place. So can I put you on the spot? Put it there, baby. What is yours? I exist to find a better way to create deep and meaningful relationships. I do that by finding simple solutions to complex complex problems. And I provide those solutions in a very easy digestible way for people to understand. I like that. That's what I'm here for. That's cool. That's, That's it, man. That's it. Right. All I want to do is have like great, deep and meaningful relationships. I want to have conversations with people that I care about. Mm -hmm. Right. Does it need to be a billion people? Ah, doesn't need to be. I would like to have the influence or the impact to have inspired a billion people, but maybe not one on one. Maybe something I say to you today, Sean, you repeat that to somebody else and it grows root and they share something that they learned. And it just keeps going on and on and on. That's what I'm about. If you talk to them, I'm, I'm getting the chills right now. I'm very passionate about what I believe in and why I'm here. When I get a chance to share that with people, God, it just feels so freaking good to be able to express that and live that. So, you know, I still struggle. Don't get me wrong. I still struggle. I want to punch people in the face every once in a while, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. That actually, okay. I like that. So now what I'm starting to think is if somebody enrolls in Trident Mindset, right. they think they're going to come in and it's going to be all like the warrior mindset of you can handle anything. And what it sounds like is huh. it's actually going to be, why are you on this planet? And, you're, is, and, yeah. you're, and you have to figure that out first before anything else is going to be of any value. Yes, that coupled with, look, I know I keep using the word skills because I just want people to recognize like these are skills and tools that you can learn and you can hone. Is it going to happen tomorrow? No, man, you got to work at this, right? If you're going to continue to grow in your life, you're going to have to put some work into being a better human being. It, this is not going to happen overnight, which is cool, but let us plant a seed. 
Let us get something going in your life that you can grab onto that's going to make you a better human being. Because if I can help make you a better human being, maybe one day you can help someone else become a better human being. Maybe you can share something you learned that's going to help them out in a tough spot. And that's what it's about, right? The just things that you can learn that they're not all wazoo, they're relatively simple because they don't need to be all wazoo. They just need to be something that you can learn, a skill that you can hone, that you can craft to make you happier, calmer, more successful, more optimized human being. That's what we're trying to get at. How much time do you think somebody needs to spend each day on, like, let, I'm looking at this, you said 12 skills. I'm, I'm imagining a world in which I'm going to focus on skill number one for a month by itself or a week yep. by itself. And then it's going to stay in the mind while I layer skill number yep. two and, yeah. you know, stack, but one never stops getting developed. Then the next one, one never gets Right. Correct. You keep adding on, right? But you got to start somewhere. I have a, a mentor, right? Everybody should have a mentor and a coach. My mentor, Randy Davis, you know, I think he hates me because look what he's got me doing right now. Two, uh, two months, one week, right? You got me reading a book. I read the same 10 pages every day. That's part of your training? That's part of my training. He knows me. I have a hard time saying no to some things, right? I'm a giver. I have a hard time saying no to some things, sometimes to my detriment. I overcommit. I give too much, yada, yada. I like to keep my 100%, but I can't all the time because I'm saying yes to all these different things, right? So these first 10 pages of this book are all about less but better. Do fewer things, but do them better. He won't let me move forward because I keep making the same mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Until you've learned those lessons, maybe don't layer anything else on. Maybe think about some other things, but let's just stay here. And he, then he says to me this, he's like, you ever seen a person on the cloth, a pastor, reverend, somebody that understands the Bible? Someone comes and talks in and dumps on and says, hey, you know, I'm having this in my life. This is the problem. And they just magically pull uh, uh, what are they? Chapters, phrases? What's in the Bible? You're, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. whole phrase that, whatever that is, and they can just recite it. Well, this is Matthew one four fourteen or whatever, and it's completely the right thing to say to that person at the right time in their life. They don't do that by just reading the Bible. They study passages. That's what it is. They study the Bible. So why are we? Why are we trying to read a thousand books to be better when we can't understand the first 10 pages of the book? Oh, I just talked about this today on an, on an Instagram live. Oh, I just talked about this. Right? Not, not as well as you did, but you know, on the idea of like, you don't need to read a bunch of books. You need to apply effectively what you learn from one book and then, yes. and then go back and reread it to figure out why what you applied was ineffective and then reapply. Until you yes, get it right, exactly. then go read the next book. Yeah, and that's, that's how we set up our course as well. We have uh, the follow-on is, hey, let's learn, uh, let's practice. We have uh, exercises, uh, check-ins, check-ups, all that kind of stuff for each lesson, each uh, one lesson a month for, it can go out to a year, obviously. But dude, why like move on until you understand and can apply and execute, right? Or help somebody with the lesson that you learned. It's never going to be over, over. You're going to constantly evolve as human beings, but let's get a good, let's put a good foundation that you can build a new house on or add a layer to your house. Mm -hmm. But until we kind of reconstruct or 
fortify our current foundation, dude, there's no need to keep adding stuff to it. It's only get shakier the higher it gets. Yeah. So we're really trying to develop a solid foundation for people to be more calm, less stressed out, happier, more optimized in their life. And what's, that's all we're really trying to do. This this might sound ridiculous. No. What's the point of being more optimized? Like, who cares? If, if you know, there's there's a lot of people walking around right now who are like, "Sounds cool, but I'm I'm good." Like, yep. What's the point so, of being more optimized? It only matters if it matters to you. But, but I can tell you right now, man, I'm not trying to save everybody. Right, but Chris, I ain't trying to save everybody. But but isn't isn't there a level of not wanting to do that that comes from not knowing what the value of doing it is? I think it comes from not being clear on what your purpose or your why is. Well, once you have mean. a clarity on your purpose and your why, you want to pursue that with as much vigor as you possibly can. With whatever experiences you have in your life, wherever you are in that space, you want to apply all those things to that why when it's super clear and uh, super clear and you're going on the right track. Until you know that, it's very challenging. That's why people stay, let's say, less than optimized or average or whatever, whatever word we want to use for the mean, right? They stay there because they might not have the knowledge to move forward, might not have clarity to move forward and figure out what their purpose is. They might just be marred in their day to day and they don't have space enough to think about what's next in their life or how to, how to affect others or be bigger in their own life. Just because, hey man, mama got to eat, daddy got to eat, got to feed my three kids, got to walk my dog, got to go to work, got to do all these things and they're stuck just in this very, very micro space without understanding how to gain some minutes throughout the day to think bigger, to have big, hairy, audacious dreams and goals, to have some space to be more creative and more, more loved and cared and give some more. You know, they just haven't found a way to create a baseline or a foundation or a routine to give them space to grow. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's, it yeah. speaks to me to, um, what I like to call unconscious incompetence, which is the, the, the idea that like, you don't even know that you don't know. And, and, yeah. and, if you, and if you don't explore to try to figure out more about what you don't know, then you find yourself confirming all of the things that you want to confirm with the information that you have seeking more information that tells you that you're right instead of seeking information that tells you that you're wrong. And to go back yeah. and give Larry some, some credit, our man, Larry, he made a post today that was talking about anytime you enter a conversation in which you disagree with the other person, be sure that before you enter it, you are just as interested in changing your mind as you are in changing their mind, right? Yeah. Go into it with the idea of like, wait a minute, if I can change my mind about this, I get better. The, like to me, and, and I guess to him, I'm not going to speak for him anymore, but the winner, the bigger winner in a conversation in which two people are, are discussing opposing viewpoints is not the person who gets the other person to change their viewpoint. It's the person who changes it. Yeah. They're the one who evolved. Yeah. So, and you have to think about it as well too. I think the other part is that, um, I think where a lot of tension and turmoil and stuff that we have right now is like, you can have your viewpoint and be 100% on. I can have mine opposite to yours. We should be able to have a conversation and understanding, at least understand the skinny side of the coin, not just the heads, not just the tail, but the skinny sides of the coin, and still walk away with friends like, I understand where you're coming from. I still believe me, and I'm okay with that. 
without having conflict, like, no, you're just wrong. And I don't like, like oh, you I, anymore. I see why you believe that. Mm-hmm. And that's all valid. It's all valid. I understand why you think you're right. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Right? Like, it's okay. We don't all have to agree. We're different. It's okay. Yeah. So, so, you mentioned surgeons, special operators, all kinds of high high performers sitting sitting around saying, how do we make a program? For like, yeah. what does that look like? Do you guys say like, hey, who's Ooh. at the biggest dining room table? <laughs> Come to my house and let's sit around and, and, and drum something up. Like, how do you actually, there's almost... To me, the, the, the risk of having too many cooks in the kitchen there. Yeah. Well, uh, the first thing is the people that you're choosing to be on your team need to be aware, right? It's really difficult for, um, again, not trying to be douchebag here, but high performers to understand why they're high performers. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you're a great high jumper. What do you do? Uh, dude, I run out there. I take my 13 steps. I plant the pole. I pull back hard again. I get over the pole. I know, but, but how do you plant the pole? Well, there's a box that you got to put the thing in there generally hard, then pull back down, then go over. But I know, but, but what does that really look like? You know, we have to be aware enough to be able to digest. Oh, that's right. I use this tool. I use this technique. I use this skill all the time. But since I use it all the time, it's just going to work. I got to be able to separate that out and go, nice. You go to work too, but you don't use this skill because you got upset with the bicycle guy that smashed you on the window, right? You got to be able to steal those skills first. So in separate rooms and separate items, like, well, what makes you successful? What techniques do you use to be mentally tough? Hey, let's put yourself in a, in a, in a, a challenging situation, right? Say you're walking 200 miles and your feet start hurting. Like, man, your feet are hurting. Why did you not stop walking? Or how did you not stop walking? Oh, I did this. Wow, man, just write that down. But what did you do? Oh, you know what? I focused on something else because the brain can only focus on one thing at a time. I can't focus on sore feet and getting to where I'm going. I've got to disassociate my sore feet so that I can continue walking. Otherwise I'll quit. So you got to be able to separate those things and understand what those things are. So trial and error, a lot of communing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the right word. <laughs> of distilling down what's important, what's the commonality between, uh, high performers who have mental toughness. Some people, high performers, those dudes are just great. Mm-hmm. Really hard to work with them because, I don't know, man, you play baseball, some of you just throw 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it wasn't one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a bunch of skills that you use to try to throw faster. Yeah. What were those skills? Then you write those skills down and see if they compare or contrast or add value to what you're trying to create. You know, you go to a baseball pitcher camp, there's some tenants in there that all baseball pitchers who throw really fast have to do. Mm-hmm. Using your business all the time. Hey, man, you got a sore back? Well, these stretches will probably help your back be less sore. Mm-hmm. Starting with the baseline. Right. Then mire it down to, specifically for this athlete, we're going to do or try or we'll put them on a different program. A different, um, yeah. So last question as it pertains to mental toughness, and I would love for yeah. if you could help people who are listening to this who want to find this, be able to find it. Cause I, I mean, I, I w- I'm interested in enrolling myself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and, and I will, as long as um, I'll ask you that uh, two more questions. Cause that one's going to yeah. come up next. <laughs> the, the first question is more just like a curious question. Um, how obvious 
is mental weakness to you when you meet a person. And you know, like, like there are people who I feel like as I've started to develop myself more and I've spent years of intentional practice trying to develop myself more, I look at the old version of me and I'm like, man, that guy's weak. Like that guy is just mentally weak and I can see it. And when I meet some people now, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not judging you for anything. I can just tell how close you are to an emotional response to something. And to me, that's, that's basically where the weakness is. How easy is it for you to be like, oh man, I'm going to be careful with this person because I don't want them to get upset or I don't want them to get emotional or whatever the case is because their mental strength is not there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's okay. I don't want to sound like a douchebag. You're not a douchebag. I asked you. (laughs) It's it's so easy for me to pick that out because I've seen so much mental toughness. I'm like, well, that's not that. It's got to be this, (laughs) right? right? You can't tell me that you can't walk down the street and see a group of people running, and you're like, oh my god, they could be. Oh my god, look at that hill strike. Oh my god, look at that crossing the body arm swing. It's right. just over time and experience, you know how to recognize good skills, right? Good tenets of mental toughness that you can just see it. It so falls out. The problem is that as we get smarter in things, let's say the runners again, you could run over there and go, dude, if you just stop stretching your leg out so far and stop hill striking, your run will be so much better. You don't want to do that. You have to be able to have a conversation and understanding and find a way to apply the right technique or the right skills so that they're going to listen to your guidance or your advice. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where the rub is because you can crush somebody like by going too hard or too soft, or you can say hopefully just the right thing, just the right passage that they grab onto a little bit and show a little bit of improvement and then celebrate that. Yeah. Right. And that's where I'm trying to be like, yeah, man, I recognize that. And, but on the other side of that coin, dude, that person doesn't want to be any stronger. They are super happy with where they are. It is not, it's not my call to try to change them. I can support them where they are and be okay with them not ever growing. I'm okay with that. Right. Or maybe it's not the right time for them to grow. I'm still going to pay attention to them. I'm still going to be aware. One of these times they're going to see something I'm doing, some kind of exhibition of excellence, and they'll ask, oh, man, how did you get through this tough event? Oh, let me share that with you. I counted. I took a deep breath first. Mm -hmm. Paradigm shifted. Whatever the right tool is for that specific environment. So sometimes you just have to wait, man. Like everybody wants to improve, but everybody doesn't want to improve right now. And I'm okay with it. So, so if they were, if someone is enrolling in the Trident mindset, they are choosing to improve right now. And one of the mistakes that I've made in the past and still continue to make is I'm going to do, I'm going to enroll in that. And then I don't do anything with it. Yeah. So I want to make sure that before people go running and enroll themselves, before I go running and enroll myself, what is the time commitment like? And by the way, this is the question that I hate most. When people ask yep. it of me, what is the time commitment like to become a great coach? Well, how fast you want to become a great Ooh-wee. coach, right? So <laughs> how, how, how fast do you want to be able to do it? Because if, if, if yeah. you do it for 30 minutes a day, you're, you're going to be all right. But if yeah. you immerse yourself in it, it's going to happen faster. And, yeah. and I'll let you know when I get there, by the way. 
But yeah. so what kind of a time commitment, what kind of a, a, an intention commitment is somebody making when they enroll in this course? Right. So first 12 days are fairly simple. You can get a week free, right? So you pay 50 bucks, you get a week free, go through 12 sessions. We give you a new lesson every day. A little tickler, if you will, a little how, seed about. How long are those lessons? Every, it's audible, nothing video, all audio. Every lesson, I think the longest lesson might be 12 minutes. Okay. Right? 12 minutes of speeding is what we're looking at. Think about these things today. When you find yourself in this situation, try to apply this tool. Right? When you mm -hmm. find yourself in this situation, try to apply this tool. The more you apply the tool, the faster that will go. After the 12 days, it's a month's subscription. Hey, you know what? Let's just dive into whatever, visualization for the month. To give wads, if you will, on how to visualize up with some kind of concept for you to visualize we have uh two coaching calls a month for per client with someone on the team um and then we those keep are, involving that those are group calls or those are one-on-one -on -one calls one-on-one -on -one calls right now yeah you're not charging yeah enough. oh no no i'm sorry the auto the add-on is uh 500 bucks the monthly first 12 is only 40 bucks got, so, it, got it got it got it anyway i want you to know like literally this is you said i don't know how many programs that i've paid for that i've never even used Mm -hmm. So we want the cost of it there to be low. Like if you like what we're putting out, it's only 12 days. If you can't give me 12 days, well, I don't want to work with you for a month anyway. Right. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> right. Sorry, man. Like I want to commit to you to build a deep and meaningful relationship. If you can't give me 12 days, I'm not going to give you any more time. I'm just not. Right? Mm -hmm. My new thing, this is funny, it's kind of off, off top a little bit, but a new thing is like, hey, Chris, can you help me with this? And my response is, well, if you want my 10% effort, I can help you. But I don't have time to give you 100% effort right now. Mm -hmm. I just don't have it. Like well, if you want 10%, man, I'll give you 10%. It's going to be kind of shitty, but I'll give you 10%. And, and not, not to waver too far off, but that's, that's people should understand that anytime somebody sends them a text message that's not on their schedule, that's what they're asking for. They're asking for time, yeah. It's like, hey, that, that's, a, that's a request. So the, the answer yeah. to that could always be, hey, this is a great question. Would you send it to me in an email so that when I have the presence of mind to answer it appropriately, I can, because I'm not in that state of yeah. mind right now. And if they're like, yeah. I know, I, feel that, brother. take it. I use it all yeah, the time because nice. people will text me and I don't like having notifications on my phone that I have something to do. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. I like to check boxes. It's done. So if they have a question that needs to get answered for them, like, look, I can give you a thorough answer to this. I just need you to email it to me so that I can leave it unread in there and do it when I do my emails. But, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. I love that, man. You know, uh, I'm just kind of, again, we might be getting off top of it, but I love this exploring that other way. So I don't know my wife's better way to find a better way to do something and share it. That's like, that's all I ever think about. And your solution for the, the text is, it's almost like you would reverse that. Hey, yeah, meet me over here. We can discuss this for an hour. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, whoa, I don't have an hour to talk about this. And how important was it? How important was it really? That's good. Right? You're trying to take my free five minutes. Well, I'm going to give you an hour, but you're going to earn that hour. Right. I'm going to make you drive somewhere you don't want to drive or walk. We're going to meet and things are going to happen. And they're like, oh, not that important. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work, but I like what you're saying about, hey, man, email me. That's great. Yeah, well, I, I love I love the meet me somewhere. Let's talk about it for an hour too. You just gotta you need to have that hour, and your coach Randy might be like, Chris, you don't have that hour. Yeah, 
<laughs> or yeah, <laughs> exactly. Chris, exactly. That's what I mean. Same ten pages. That's it. Still learning. What's crazy? Well, still I, learning. I think that the thing for people to realize there is, um, you know, retired Navy SEAL, business owner, leader of men and women, you know, in a great relationship with a loving partner, and you have a coach. And I mean, and, and you're not you're not 25 years old, right? Right. Absolutely. So, so it's, and I'm not calling you old either. I don't need you to, you know, I don't need to be no, sleeping. 50 one years, open. 53 years young, baby. 53 years young. So 53, 53 years and you have a coach, right? And, yeah. you, and you have life experience that many people would say that guy is the coach. I don't, he doesn't need a coach. And yet you found somebody who you think can help you. And yeah. I think that's a less, I think if nothing else, that's the lesson people should take away from this. I just had this conversation on a podcast yesterday about, how many, let's say, uh, uh, personal trainers don't have a personal training coach? I bet 90, like, 90 plus you Yeah. Yeah. You, how can you tell me something that you don't believe in? Mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. Right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not hard. I have a coach and my coach hits the wood on me, baby. I'm like, God, lay your talk. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, but, the thing about this for people who are listening, and, and I mean, we're going on longer than I, than I planned to, but that's okay. <laughs> People who are, who are thinking like, well, I'm, I'm good at like, what do I need a coach for? You don't need to find somebody who you think is a better human being than you at everything that they do. You need to find somebody who you think can do the, the one thing that you don't do well and have you bring yeah. that up. And then, yeah. then you can move on to somebody else if that's what you need to do. But there's always someone better than you at something. Absolutely. And we're with all for a really, really great coach. And they come back and like, wow, man, you know what? I don't think I can teach you anything else. I got to chill thing with that. I think you great job, man. Mm-hmm. Move on from me. Yeah. You know, you now the seafood, you've eclipsed. I got nothing else to teach you. Really? We can still hang out and be friends forever, brother. Right. But it's time for you to evolve because I'm still trying to evolve with what we're learning. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's great. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Chris, Chris where can people find, well, you're not big on Instagram. So we'll we'll, nah. do, we'll we'll just send them to Trident Mindset. What's what's Trident Mindset on Instagram? Yeah, it is Trident Mindset official on Instagram, and my partner in the business runs that for me because he knows that's not what I'm good at, and that's not I'm just not using any time there. It's just blah, blah, blah. But he keeps me straight on the people that I should be in contact with. Website TridentMindset.com, um, and then my personal website is ChrisSmithJr.com. That's C H R I S S S M I T H J R dot com. Um, yeah, man, I'm literally, I can't even tell you, Sean, like my only purpose is to make better people and create deep meaningful relationships. So if I can help out with that at all, just let me know. We'll figure it out. And yeah, bro. I appreciate you. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. All right. All right. That's going to be a wrap for this episode of the Active Life Podcast. And guys, remember, remember, if you are looking to enhance your fitness business. If you're sitting there thinking, man, I would love to be able to go on vacations. I would love to be able to take two weeks off and not have my business fall apart. And most importantly, most importantly, if you want to be a part of the movement that we are creating, facilitating, and seeing come to life, which is coaches and gyms becoming the healthcare clinic of the future, Helping people who've gotten hurt working out. Helping people who've been told they have to work out around that. 
having people be told they're too old to do that, find new hobbies. If hearing things like that for your clients is frustrating for you and you want to learn the skills to solve those problems and also get paid very well to do it, head to activelifeprofessional.com and let's get talking. Till then, turn pro.